Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 178 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the Saturnian creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. And in case you're trying to keep track of my wonky counting here, Last Tuesday's show was episode 176, and the show I did after that was episode 177, and it was exclusive for those of you following me on Patreon, Um, but because the theme here for the month of September is Saturn, we're like touching on different themes within the themes, themes that Saturn represents. So last time, last Tuesday's show was about time, and then the exclusive Uh, episode I did just for my Patreon friends was called Time Travel for Your Soul. Um, Today I'm going to be talking about fear, uh, which Saturn also has a lot to do with. Um, But the Time Travel for Your Soul episode, I shared a really cool magic trick there for both traveling back into the past to heal old traumas and painful memories, and then into the future to create the kick-ass life of your dreams, which is what I'm always talking about. Um, And of course, (laughs) in that episode, there is my usual rambling, but there is also, I think, a solid 20 minutes of instruction that I fully stand behind. I do fumble around in the dark here often, tripping over my tongue and going on and on and on about a whole lot of nothing, but I eventually get around to saying what I want to say. (laughs) And I do have my stellar moments, I think, and that 20 minutes felt like one of those. And I have a feeling that if I can get out of my own way here today, we might have another few stellar moments. Um, Because today's episode is focused on a subject I know all too well, recovering from the fantasies of fear. And I love the synchronicities that appear when I'll kind of go to bed, like, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? Sometimes I'll do this. What am I going to talk about? And then I'll wake up in the morning and be like, what am I going to talk about? I'll kind of maybe get an idea in my head, like, yeah, I think it's going to be that. And then I'll go online. I usually start my day on Twitter, my online day, because I really love Twitter. And right away, something will pop up. Um, And it's always awesome and interesting how it seems to always be in alignment with what I choose to talk about that today, so, or that day. So today it was a tweet from Neil Donald Walsh. Uh, I just thought this statement that he made um, sets up today's topic quite nicely, and it goes a little something like this. Remember that every act is an act of self-definition every thought energy of creation. Love that. I would also like to put that in the context of the art of magic, which I have outlined here many times, but it bears repeating. Um, So I'll repeat it by saying that your thoughts 
lead to emotion. Your emotions lead to action and your actions lead to the manifestation of your personal reality. Deliberate creation, people, it is powerful stuff. And it all begins with imagination. That's where magic starts if you want to consciously create your own reality in alignment with your will, <laughs> which is what I am very much interested in doing. And I think you might be too if you're listening to me. Your imagination, as I said on Facebook, is <laughs> extraordinary. It's so powerful. Um, that's why I'm talking about fantasies, because I think when we say the word fantasy, we think about pleasure, but there are also fantasies of fear, like real fear. And I think that there is a recovery process that we go through that I'm still going through some, hopefully I can touch on that today. Um, it's a process, a recovery process when you recognize the fantasies of fear that are living inside of you. And um, people often warn about dark magic versus light magic or white magic, black magic, which has a distinctly racist tone to it. Don't you think <laughs> like a white witch? Um, I used to use that term for myself before I did anything publicly online, which I'm happy it was before <laughs> I came out on online. Because when I think about like a white witch being a good witch and a white mitt you know, white magic being good magic and a black witch, <laughs> you know, being black magic. It just seems very not cool to me. Um, even when you get into dark magic versus light, light magic, I think that is a slippery slope. Um, I think we're talking about the same thing, though, the same kind of energy. It's just all in how you use it, black or white, light or dark. And I think that this so-called, let's just say dark magic today for argument's sake, because I have a feeling you know what I'm talking about, um, especially if you're, you, you like conspiracy theories, you know, all these conspiracy theories about how our politicians and our government and our corporations are into the occult and dark magic and all these things. Like, what is dark magic? I think that so-called dark magic is really about not knowing yourself and having such a lack of awareness that you are easy prey. And there are, and I don't mean even easy prey for people who are practicing the dark arts, <laughs> occult artists, dark magicians. I, I, don't, I don't think most of those people are that. They're just excellent marketers. They're great salespeople. Um, but, and you can be prey to that. And you are falling under a magic spell when you don't have a high level of self-awareness. Um, so there are those that, they understand your fear fantasies. They understand your fears. They build on them with more fantasies. And um, that's because it keeps you enslaved to their product, whatever their product is, the solution that they offer. And one way they do this is by creating or more likely tapping into the fear that already exists within you and then offering a temporary solution, something that briefly, but not permanently, soothes your anxiety. Um, because, of course, it cannot be a permanent solution because then they couldn't continue to profit off your fear. So they must create a solution that is temporary and that needs re-upping from time to time. <laughs> 
pills that suppress your emotions or generate false um, false emotions or keep you calm or get you energized. Our prime example of that is the perfect example. Um, but so is sex or cosmetic pr- products and procedures, get rich quick schemes, video games, kind of just mindless online entertainment. These are all things that can temporarily silence your fear, but it doesn't get to the root of the problem. And um, it forges a kind of addiction. What uh, you, I'm going to guess that you have seen Glennon Doyle Melton somewhere doing an interview. Um, Her new book, Love Warrior, is everywhere. I mean, if you go to the bookstore, there'll be a pile of it front and center. Love Warrior, it's Oprah's current book club selection. Um, I think Marie Forleo just interviewed her. A whole bunch of podcasters just interviewed her. She is everywhere right now. She's like the new Brene Brown or something. (laughs) Um, But she said something interesting. I was listening to one of these interviews. I listened to a couple of them, actually. Uh, but she was talking about being an addict and how she thinks that addicts, what they're really doing is hiding out. Their addiction helps them hide. And um, I don't think you have to be a drug addict or an alcoholic to have this going on or even any kind of uh, addict as we think in the classic sense of the world, like a gambler or an overspender or a sex addict. I don't think you have to be that kind of addict to have this going on. Um, I actually thought about calling this show. The first title I had in mind uh, was sobering up from the fear fantasy, but I thought that that might alienate people who do not have textbook addictions. And what I am sharing here applies to everyone because we all have fear. And in a sense, it's addicting in some ways. It's controlling us. And obviously we have the power to take control back, but that is a complicated situation. Uh, Something that I have learned, coaching, I mean, this is something that comes up almost every coaching call is fear. And I notice it most commonly with people I'm helping um, with the BizWitch calls. I help people set up online businesses and um, we get really excited during the phone calls and we get a plan and we get strategies in place or people that I'm helping to change their diet. I did a lot of that with the Sad to Sexy program that I am now repurposing into the healing magic of food. Uh, but when I've worked with people with their businesses or um, changing their diets, this is something that I've, I noticed the most prominently is that we get so excited about the plan. My aim is always to keep it really super fun, really in alignment with who they are, what they enjoy doing. And I like to keep it simple, you know, and just one actionable step. And it's fascinating to me how they will be so fired up. (laughs) The next coaching call that we have, they didn't do that thing. And sometimes people are self-aware enough to be like, what the hell? I don't even know why I didn't do that thing. And they want to apologize to me, which I totally am like, do not do that. You know, like (laughs) you owe me nothing. This is about you and your relationship with yourself. Um, But I think that's why we need coaches sometimes because we just need somebody that can help us through the fear. And 
before. And it's human. These are, I mean, I'm dealing with very, very smart people who, who want to consciously co-create their lives, who have goals, who have dreams, they have the energy, they have the desire. It's not that there's something wrong with them. They're just human. And um, so they'll either be very self-aware and be like, yes, okay, something is standing in my way, but I don't quite know what it is. And then we try to figure out what it is. Or they come back to me, which is my least favorite thing that happens with a bunch of excuses or reasons, which is just fear. Again, it's just fear. And I empathize with that, though, too. I say it's my least favorite because then I have to convince them that they're afraid and people really cling to their excuses. And that can be tricky, tricky business. <laughs> I rely on my sense of humor to get me through those moments. Uh but it's really fun, too, and rewarding to help people with that because I am a person who was run by fear for so long. So I know all the little excuses and tricks that we play on ourselves, and I still experience fear all the time. I come up against it. I'm like, whew, there you are again. Hello. <laughs> uh, and something that I've realized, it's funny, like I I started kicking kick-ass witch four plus years ago and here I am four plus years into running this business and it is still revealing itself to me and kind of everything I thought that it was is falling away and it's coming down to like its essence I feel like I've been chiseling away at this big lump of clay and like at the heart of it is actually what the original idea was <laughs> just coming back around to the original idea and all the little bells and whistles were like, eh, we don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need that because I have found that there's really only one thing that I'm doing here because there's really only one thing that I am interested in doing here. And that is where all of my energy has gone. Like I can see the evidence of it. Um, the proof is in every newsletter and coaching call and ebook and e-course that I've done in the last however many years. And that is that I want to just, I just want to help people change their lives. And the number one stumbling block to doing that is fear. So I've, I've really fallen into that this summer with the newsletters, especially. And um, I used to think like, oh, they're going to just roll their eyes at me because I'm talking about fear again. But now I see it's like, no, we have to talk about it again, again and again and again, maybe for our lifetime, because fear is just part of our lives as human people. It's there for an evolutionary reason. It's there for survival reasons, for one thing. It's not entirely bad. It saves our lives if we're crossing the street, for example, um, or if we decide not to run into a burning building, like, or if we decide to haul ass when a tiger is chasing us. It's not just, it's not a bad thing. Um, we just use it against ourselves sometimes. But also, fear, and this is because fear is afraid of itself. <laughs> fear is a huge liar. Fear does not like to admit that it is afraid. So more often than not, it shows up as, it doesn't show up like, I'm afraid. Because that's hard for some people to admit. That's hard for fear to admit. So it shows up as, it's too hard. Or, I just don't feel like it. I'm just not in the mood. Or, the system is set up against me. Or, I don't have enough time. I'm so busy. Blah, 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 blah. 
fear has a million and one excuses for itself because it needs those excuses to exist. And um, I know I just kind of launched into how other people might intentionally try to control you with fear, um, you know, with sex, drugs, and rock and roll, (laughs) the pills, the video games, the porn. Um, But more often than not, I believe that it is our loving, well-meaning parents and caretakers um, who were doing the very, very best that they could when we were kids, but quite unintentionally embedded their own fears in us, and their fears became our fears. And I think that that's where it becomes a generational thing, and we just hand this stuff down um, generation after generation, very unintentionally. It's not intentional, but what it is is extraordinarily powerful because those fears get embedded in us when we are too small to have any kind of discernment, and we're learning our environments, and we're learning what's safe and what's not safe, and because that is very important to our survival to learn these things, uh, it becomes just almost who we are. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, I think, about this weekend. I had the best weekend ever. I had so much fun. Everything was going my way. I've got Jupiter training, Jupiter and Jupiter and Libra, my sign. (laughs) And, like, everything is just awesome. Everything is awesome. And I'm driving to Bakersfield on my way to what I know is going to be a super fun birthday party. I'm listening to Lady Gaga's new song, Perfect Illusion. I'm looking at the mountains. They're so beautiful. And then I I just noticed, like, there's this weird burning flutter in my solar plexus. And I was like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Why are you here? It was fear. It was fear. And it wasn't, like, a fear. I wasn't afraid of something. I didn't have a thought that was leading to fear it was just just fear just plain fear fear for no reason (laughs) and it was just there and I was like you've got to be kidding me um and I have to check in with myself like that for time to time luckily I've learned how to do that and I've learned how to recognize the cues in my body so I tend to feel it in my body before I realize like oh, yeah, that's going on. Like, why is my solar plexus on fire and flipping around? (laughs) That's weird. I'm just, I am just driving to Bakersfield for a birthday party. Um, So I think, too, you know, hopefully you can get to a place where you recognize how fear shows up for you physically because that can help you out so much. Because once you see it's there, you can be like, okay, dude, you don't need to be here right now. Everything is fine. I'm fine. We're safe. Nothing bad is going to happen. <laughs> you can have a little talk with yourself and move on. So this is where like self-compassion and self-parenting come into play. Again, I mention both often because in my opinion, they should be an ongoing part of a healthy spiritual practice or they are for me. So in this case, once you identify That the reason you cannot get yourself to do that thing that you keep saying you're going to do, when you realize that it boils down to some, to just fear with no, for no reason, just random acts of fear or some fear fantasy you're holding, you can have compassion for that. And you can treat yourself then the way a loving parent would 
a loving parent, <laughs> let's specify that, the way a loving parent would when dealing with a frightened child. So you don't frighten the child further by yelling at him or her, or you don't shame the poor kid into adopting some self-flagellating brain loop of I'm such a lazy, no good piece of shit. You don't do that if you're a good parent. Um, you encourage the child. You reward the child, as those of us in the Psycho-Spiritual Wheel of the Year group are learning right now with our reward boards. You cheer her on for stepping outside her comfort zone, for stepping outside his zone of lies, and for every little bit of progress made. And that is how you self-parent your inner child, and that is how you help ease yourself over these weird humps of fear that might present themselves to you many, many times before you're able to ease yourself over, but just keep at it and keep the faith. Um, I think about the devil card too, because I, uh, I can't remember if it was here or in a video or both that I mentioned Saturn is equated with Satan and the devil card in Tarot. And I really think it is that that's relevant when it comes to fear, because if you are familiar with the tarot, you know, the devil card is most often depicted as a devil like figure with usually a man and a woman. They usually look very like oversexed. They look like porn stars often, <laughs> cantily glad, but they're burning in hell and they're chained. They're each chained to the devil. Um, so I think that's really relevant to fear because think of devil, the devil as fear. Think of that archetype as being an archetype of fear. And he's going, you fool, you've changed yourself to me and I own your ass now. <laughs> Like, I owe you, and you did it to yourself, because what the, those chains that, that you're looking at in that card, those are simply chains of fear, and you have the power to unchain yourself. And I love that in that card, um, there is an image of a man and a woman chained to the devil, because we chain ourselves to other people this way, too. We chain ourselves to the monster of fear, to the fantasy of fear. And then we sit there burning in a hell of our own making and blaming the other person for getting us into this mess or expecting the other person to set us free when it's clear that they can't even set themselves free, much less you. You have to do that for yourself. <laughs> so um, whether it's money or love or career situation, if there's something in your life that you're afraid of, it might, you might convince yourself that it is safer to live in a, in a fantasy than it is to actually face the truth of your situation. Um, gosh, I just read something about this. Who was writing about this? They were saying something about, um, In the end, is it really safer to be in safer or have you just become accustomed to the fantasy? And that's why I call the comfort zone the zone of lies, because it's a fantasy. Fear is a liar. You're not really comfortable because a part of you knows that you're missing out on the you you were meant to be. 
what I posted in Facebook, I cut and pasted here to read to you because I agree with myself. <laughs> I've just taken to doing this now for most episodes here. I just tend to read what I wrote on Facebook to promote the day's show because I, I don't know, somehow I, I feel like it's, it's the core of what I want to say. So this is what I wrote. I said, your imagination is the most powerful tool you have on call when it comes to performing real magic and deliberately creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. The tricky thing about it is that it is a two-edged sword. It can work for or against you. And as if that weren't enough to contemplate, there are those who have learned how to make it work against you because when it works against you, it starts to really work for them. So that's what I was talking about. Clever marketers, for example, that create temporary solutions for your problems. So you have to keep re-upping on those temporary solutions. And trust me, as someone who has studied, studied marketing and sales, that is something that that's one of the top techniques that are taught to people when they learn um, marketing and sales is how to tap into people's fear. That can be, that's a, that is, that's a dangerous technique because it can be used for good or it can be used to keep you in a fear loop. And uh, discernment, that is why know thyself is so important because you need to be able to recognize, is this person tapping into my fear because they're actually offering like a solution that gets to the root? Are they actually here to help me? Do they have the kind of career where they're out to be of service in the world? Are they in alignment with their soul's purpose? Or are they just like peddling a temporary fix or an empty promise? That happens too. Um, basically, marketers are looking to separate you from your cash. Um, some excellent, fabulous marketers need to separate you from your cash to some degree to keep their business going, but they have a heart-centered bar in alignment with their soul, and they're looking to create a win-win situation. They're looking to sustain themselves financially, but also to help you in some way and to be in service to you in some way. So I'm not saying all marketers are bad. I'm just saying you need to use discernment. And this is not just about marketers. This is not about the pharmaceutical industry. This is not about the porn industry. It's about all that, but it's about all about your personal relationships as well. Um, codependent partners or people with narcissistic tendencies, they too are looking to separate you. They're looking to separate you from your power from your own innate sense of power and um, your sense of self. Someone who wants to manipulate you into doing something for them, they're so good at tapping into your fear and then building on that fear, creating fear fantasies that feel so real because, you know, it's been, has been said so many times, um, really your brain does not know the difference between something vividly imagined or something that actually happened in reality. If you imagine it vividly enough, if you get all your senses on board, your, um, your senses, your emotional body, your limbic system does not know the difference between the two. That is so powerful and that is common knowledge now. And there are people that love to tap into that. 
And I'd even be so bold as to say that there are churches who want to convince you that God demands at least 10% of your income while their pastors and priests are riding around in their shiny new Mercedes Benz. Um, I've watched new age gurus and astrologers utilize this tactic to keep their audience engaged, some intentionally because they are speaking from their own place of fear. They don't mean any harm, kind of like those parents that are just passing on their fears. That's the filter they're speaking through. Fully mean well, and they want to help, and they want to be of service, but they have their own fears that they still haven't worked through. And then there are others who are fully aware of the chains that they are creating link by sticky link. And I am not trying to scare you further. I sound like a hypocrite, don't I? Fear the fear mongers, people. Um, I'm just trying to say, hey, wake up. You are free to go at any time. You may now move about freely. Those chains are not real. They are in your mind, and you get to change your mind as often as you please. That's all I'm trying to say. (laughs) The fear is not real. I know it feels so real, but good fantasies do. That's why they're such a temptation because they, they're an alternative to dealing with reality, with the manifest 3D reality you find yourself in, which I actually think you find yourself in for a reason. I think your soul incarnated here for a purpose, for a reason, that you're meant to be here right now. So escaping that is doing yourself a disservice. And really Saturn rules um, many things, time, as I talked about last week, but also the 3D manifest reality, which is, again, I think, too, why he's associated with Satan, the worldly pleasures, but also worldly reality is that people think suck. He's all that. So let's get down to how to, the how to part of the show, because I called the show Recovering from the Fantasies of Fear. I feel like I should probably get into how one might go about doing that. (laughs) Uh, I have talked about this on the show before, but I like it. And I have found it is multi-purpose. So my motto for doing that is stop, drop, and roll, which you may know, you may have learned that as a kid when you, you know, they taught us that as kids in school. Anyway, when I was a kid in school, that if your clothes catch on fire, if something catches on fire, you don't run around freaking out because the fire spreads. You need to stop drop on the ground and roll around to put the fire out. So I just think that's an awesome metaphor for a lot of different things. But in this context, an awesome metaphor for recovering from the fantasies of fear, especially, especially just in a moment to just recovering like your sense of self um, in the moment when your ass starts burning (laughs) with the fire of fear. So three steps, stop, drop and roll. Step number one, stop. Stop when you first notice the fire of, of fear is burning inside your belly, inside your solar plexus. That's how I experience fear. That's that uh, flight or fight feeling that a lot of us get, the butterflies in your belly. Um, I'm sure there are many different ways that you could experience fear. Your mouth could go dry or throat could close up, you could blink excessively, you could start to sweat profusely. So it definitely behooves you to identify the ways that your body expresses fear. And I'm sure you can go back through your history, think about the different times that you were afraid, and think about how that manifested in your body. 
and be like, cool, okay, I know that happens to me when I'm afraid. My heart starts racing or my mind starts racing or I start breathing in a shallow way or I hold my breath. Identify the ways that fear expresses itself in your body so that you can do step one. You can stop and be like, whoo, whoo. My solar plexus is on fire. Something is up. So stop, stop. Step number two, drop. Drop into your body. (sighs) Drop into your body. Drop into the now. Drop into the moment. Because if you're experiencing fear, there is some thought in place, some subconscious thought or a conscious thought or a combination of of both that has you leaving your body. That's why you hold your breath. That's why you like tense up in weird ways. That's why your body tries to get your attention. Like something is really wrong here. Hello. Hello. Do you feel me? (laughs) So be like, yes, I feel you. Let me feel you more. Drop into your body and be like, okay, (sighs) take a breath. I always like to do something physical. I'm a big fan of gently, not hurting myself, but pressing my hands against my chest, like over my heart or over my solar plexus, depending on where I'm feeling it. Sometimes my chest hurts. Sometimes my solar plexus feels very flippy and on fire. So I'll like press on it into big breath. (sighs) It's good too, to just notice like, there is my fear. It's hanging out in my knee, (laughs) wherever it shows up for you. And just be like, Hey there, Hey there, dude, I see you. Um, and then step number three is roll. Like you want to roll into the truth of your situation. So the best thing you can ask yourself is, is this true? Is the thought that this that I'm having or the thing this person is saying true? Or if like me, if you're just driving along having a great time and you just have some unidentified fear just pop up for no apparent reason, you can be like, well, is that true? Do I need to be afraid right now? And you can look around and be like, no. There's nothing to be afraid of. I got plenty of gas in my car. I got my seatbelt on. I'm aware of my surroundings. <laughs> like, no, that is, that's, it's not true. It's lying to me. There's nothing to be afraid of right now. And then how do you know when you have rolled onto the truth? How do you know when you've rolled from fear to truth? The truth of your soul, maybe. Well, you know, because it feels good. It feels right. And perhaps most importantly, it empowers you to act on your own behalf, not on behalf of someone else's agenda. It's like um, discerning between the voice of fear and the voice of your intuition. That's a question that people have a lot. How do I discern between the voice of fear and the voice of your intuition? Um, One feels good and one feels like fear. One feels bad. <laughs> One has you acting against yourself in a lot of ways, against your own best interest. Some say that there are only two forces in the, in the world, fear and love, and that everything is born from one or the other. Every emotion is a product of one of these things, fear or love, and that they really are part of the same thing. So the same energy the energy of creation. So if you pick up the stick, let's call it a stick. If you pick up the stick of creation, you pick up the stick of destruction at the same time. Each polarity exists within the same power. Love is on one end of the stick and fear is on the other. So you might think of this stick as a two-sided magic wand. This is your power, your wand of power. Uh, Both sides 
are equally powerful. Both have the power to create, but what you create depends on which end you are pointing, which end of the wand you are pointing, which end you are channeling that energy through. Um, did you, please say, you read the newsletter that I sent out a few weeks ago about filters and how witches and magic makers of all kinds, we are the lens crafters of the world because we, we consciously choose the lenses and the filters with which we choose to see the world. Um, it's kind of like that. The energy in this magic wand is powerful. It can create whole worlds. It can create your entire reality, but those worlds will be the product of the filter that that energy is channeled through. So one end filters the energy, that same energy, one end filters it through fear and the other filters it through love. And if love is a word that bugs you in this context because it feels too new agey, group hug, lightworkers rule, I totally get where you are coming from with that. <laughs> and if that's where you're coming from, you can think of it in a different way. Here's a different way to think of it. Just consider that one end of this magic wand of creation is in alignment with your soul's will. And the other is a program that was put into place as a product of someone else's will. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> I'm talking about you being possessed of your own divine nature rather than the victim of circumstances or the programs that were put in place when you were very, very small. Um, your own firsthand connection to the divine and discerning from that point. A lovely lady named Heather Gaffney Darnell. Hello, Heather. She grabbed a post that I did on Facebook September 11th, 2015. It showed up in my notifications today that she had reposted it to her page. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I clicked on it. <laughs> and it's a quote that I shared from T. Thorne Coyle last year. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. Um, so I wanted to share that with you. I cut and pasted that on this little file here today so I could read it to you because I love it. It says, in various magical and shamanic traditions, people become possessed by gods or goddesses. Even in charismatic Christianity, there's the concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is another form of divine possession. What these traditions do not stress is that seekers can become possessed and possessor of their own divinity, their own full selfhood. I think that's what we're trying to do here. Become possessed of our own divinity, our own full selfhood. <laughs> and, and to ask ourselves, you know, who is the voice in my head right now? Is it fear, who we know now is a total liar, or is it the voice of my soul that is speaking? And your imagination is powerful. Fantasies are powerful, but just be aware of the source of that fantasy. And is it the devil of fear or is it the angel of your own divine nature? <laughs> I'm just trying to throw out a lot of different metaphors for thinking about this. I'm saying the same thing essentially over and over and over and over and over again. And I totally recognize the need to be supported in this. I myself I literally am doing um, the autumn equinox module of the psycho spiritual wheel of the year. I created that module in 
I created the program in 2013. So I think we came around to this module in 2014, the first time. So I've done it a few times. Last year, I kind of, eh, I kind of went through the motions a bit. I'll admit that. <laughs> but this year, because the summer I was working with Saturn, I recognized that like, holy crap, I've caged myself in with all these fears. It's like the um, Eight of Swords card that I was recently talking about. It's like, I'm sort of in a prison of my own making. It's just in my mind, all these that I personally have around weird things. But it doesn't, I felt a lot of shame about it. Like, I feel like at 42 years old, I should not be afraid of these things. Things like filing my own taxes, doing clerical work and accounting for my business and dealing with the government agencies that I have to deal with for my son. Um, these are things that I procrastinate on. Or, and if I'm able to pass them off to another person, I'm, I'm so eager to do that. And things that I really wanted to take ownership in my own life. And I looked at the Automatic Equinox module that was coming up. I was like, oh, my God, the reward board. <laughs> the reward board is the each module has a Crafty Witch project. And that's the Crafty Witch project for this module. And I was like, I am so going to do that. So I made a huge deal about it. Um, I'm actually doing it right now, but you can do it anytime if you want to do the Autumn Equinox module. The Equinox isn't till it's a ways away. It's like a week and a half away still. But um, <laughs> uh, and there's a link to that in the episode here at Blog Talk Radio. I, I always put a link to whatever I'm talking about in the show. But anyway, so I'm doing it along with everybody else that is doing the module, and I'm loving it because it's really helping me. It's it's a structure I created to help other people, but I, now here I am doing it myself and it's helping me. So go figure. I do this work too, all the time, all the time. So we're totally in it together, people. And here I have talked for almost 45 minutes at you. I've noticed myself doing that now. Um, these are supposed to be 30 minute episodes, but because I've been giving myself an extra 15 minutes in case I talk over, I end up talking over anyway. So there you have it. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your week. And until we meet again, much love. Peace. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.